Well done. So last, we're starting a new series called The Spirit of Christmas. And in it, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, but we're really going to be talking about the things of power and God meeting the world through his agents of love, mercy, his agents of power, people. And we're going to do so, um, I think, partly because at times I get bored with just these simple narratives, right? And, and they're great, but I was like, you know what? Let's do something in this season. Let's engage. Let's be present. Let's step into the things of God that's happening to the world as God did. And I think sometimes even those narrative texts, as they get kind of not twisted, but you know, the little baby Jesus, all nice, you know, the movie's kind of poking fun. I love the little baby Jesus, but at times it seems like the baby Jesus demands nothing, when in essence Jesus demands everything of those who know him. And so we want to talk about something a little bit different over this season. We call it the spirit of Christmas, but it's really about a God who's moving in power for healing, for deliverance, and for prophecy. Nate did an amazing job last week of setting us up at this Advent season with three things of preparation. And he said these three things that, are, that prepare us, that help us to engage. One is to do less. Create space in your life within this season. Don't be overly busy and hurried and driven with everything. And that's incredibly hard over last week. But the task, do less. The second thing he said was this, um, give more. But give more of yourself to God. So it's like, make room for God. And the third was to expect miracles. And so really over the course of this next four or five weeks, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try to do less. We're going to make room for God and we're going to expect miracles. You ready to go? It is kind of risky, and we're going to push our boundaries a little bit here. But within this, this, this idea of even where we are, and we continue to use this narrative, and even in the Christmas story, for those of you who read the Christmas narrative, it wasn't just this nice baby being born. There was a war that was being engaged as this was all taking place. At the birth of Jesus and the news of his arrival, there was fear and anger and uh, all kinds of turmoil. When it was told that the king of the Jews was born, the king who was living at the time went out and killed every male child born in that vicinity. Right? I mean, th there was a war going on. News had come to them that even the Burr family had to flee for their lives and run and hide away in a foreign land. There was an enemy and an adversary that wanted to take down the life of Jesus, and that continued. And even when Jesus in the church was born, this message of an adversary still remains. That there is still a war. There is still a battle. In the same way that when Israel entered into the promised land, they were given this promised destiny in God. But yet they had to fight. They had to take up weapons and fight. And the first generation didn't annihilate the enemy. So the second generation had to fight. But as we know it, many of them didn't. And they allowed uh, the people to remain among them. And we know that for us, the enemy is not human. There's an adversary. There's powers and principality, principalities and spiritual forces that are pressing upon our world and on people. Not for their good, but for their death, for their destruction, to lie to them and to kill them. There is this enemy. And we have been invited, commissioned to fight. But what happens when we don't? What happens when we don't take up that position? And I think the spirit of Christmas is to engage in that. To engage in, engage in this cosmic battle through the love of Jesus. Last series we were in, we were said, we've been all that we've been gifted with supernatural, God-inspired gifts to use them. And we want to encourage us to say, okay, if we have these gifts, these natural, these supernatural, these passions, how do we leverage them? And that's what we want to do over this series. And that's what we're going to do. This is Matthew, 
Chapter 10, verses 7 to 8, and Jesus' words to his disciples, and he says this. He sends them out. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. What the Lord has given us, we freely share. What the Lord has given us to do, we try to embrace. And over this, this is what we want to do. We want to freely give what God has given us of the spiritual gifts that he's given of us, but also he's given us of power. And we want to freely give this. So here's my question for you, and um, here's what I want you to do, just so we can see and we can just be convinced that there's a need for this. Right, that this isn't just sort of like just being nice and doing nice things. That there's extreme need. So um, I'm going to ask some questions. If the answer is yes, I just want you to stand up. Right. So over the course of Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving, and maybe it was the day after it, or you were with family. But over the course of this sort of Thanksgiving holiday, how many of you were with someone who you would say, "Boy, they are in need of a physical healing." There was something going on in their body that we wish wasn't so. So how many of you were with somebody physically, you were with them, they are right there in front of you, who needed physical healing? You saw them, right? They are right there, you knew it. It's just the reality of the way things are right now. Okay? How many of you were with somebody who, who needed, um, we, we'll call it deliverance. That's an intense word, right? But we'll say deliverance from um, they're struggling with addiction or depression. They're gripped with something that is deeper, right? Not, these, not the surface sort of physical, but something of the spirit and the soul to be freed from something that's locked them. How many of you were with somebody who was in need of that? All right, and how many of you were with somebody who just either needed direction, encouragement, is uncertain about the future and could use some insight or encouragement who was sitting around you. Stand up if that was you. How many were with nobody over the holiday and you spent it alone? But you can see, right? I mean, right in front of us were people. And people, we would say, are in need. Could it be that God loves those people deeply? Absolutely. And is empowering us deeply in order to engage in the real life things of their lives and ours. I think the answer is yes. You can be seated. Thanks for helping there. There's a great need. There's this great need and there's this God who continues to give out power. And this was really clear to the apostles. This was so clear in their speaking. This was clear in everything. This was clear that there was this power, this Holy Spirit, this, this feeling that came to them from God. And even so, Jesus told them, he says, hey, when you speak or when you're brought in front of rulers, um, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and I'll give you words to say. So in their speaking, they were relying upon God in order to know even what to say. But not only that, when they faced tough times, they knew to pray for divine power, for their preaching, and for the miraculous. When they were threatened early in the movement of the church, they prayed, oh God, would you, would you open our mouths to proclaim as we should? And would you move mightily in our hands for power for healing? They knew that this was something that God could do and longed to do. And this happened. They performed many signs and wonders, Acts 5 says. And they were engaging in direct ministry. And so what we're going to be encouraging this time is um, something really direct. It, I'm using some materials from Jordan Singh, he's a pastor in, in Honolulu, and friends have given me some of his materials. I'm reading through his book. It was good. And I, I love some of his encouragement and his language as we go through this. But the encouragement is that God is inviting us to directly engage, right? To directly engage in the things that's happening in the world, that God routinely partners with us to get things done in the world. He reveals truth, right? And we proclaim it. He offers salvation, and we gather in people for that. He shows mercy, and we serve the poor. He partners with us. This is how God desired to do it. 
And so this idea of engaging in the power of God, the supernatural ministries, we might say, the things of healing and deliverance and prophecy are the ones that we're specifically going to look at over the course of this month, that we're to engage in this. And this is the same. He routinely partners with people. That God is the source of the power, but we lay hands on people or speak commands that that power, power might flow to others. So who empowers these spiritual feats? God. But who does he do them through? Us. And so we're going to ask you to be engaged, participants in the family of God, wielding the power of God which he has given to us to move through us. Not in a passive way, but in an active way. And the difference between past and active could look like this, and it's not bad. Uh, there, there's really no formula, right? But, but there is passive and, and active. And we wanna, I want to encourage you, this will stretch some of you. We're going to invite you to be active in your engagement in the things of God. Passive, um, we can pray in many ways. There's no technique, there's no formula. But passive could be seen as this way, if someone de- declares a need, and so let's just, let's just model this out. Here's Renee, has a need. She lets me know. Um, is there, Renee, is there actually anything going on that we could pray for you and your body? Oh, oh. Who's got a need? A physical need. Oh, Liz. Liz, what's your physical need? Hip and nerve pain, right? And so we're hanging out with Liz. This is great. She's got nip, hip, hip, and nerve pain. And Pass would be like, Great, I'll I'll pray for you. And I go home that night and I pray for her. It's super. We should do that. Right? Do it. But passive could also be, and and here's another form of passive prayer. It's great. There's no formula. But it's a little more passive. And it's like, okay, God, heal Liz's hip in nerve pain. Amen. It's great. It's a form of active. But there seems to be a pattern in the scriptures that that actually isn't the pattern the way that it kind of moved in. And so with that is this. So when I'm saying, oh God, would you heal Liz's hip and nerve pain? I am praying to the Father, and then the Father is lightning bolting down to Liz. Uh, it may it may not be answered. If it's not answered, I can say, oh Liz, God just doesn't like you, or um, maybe you've done something wrong. That was never the answer in the scripture. But a slightly more active, maybe even trusting kind of way, empowering way, an active way of praying would be this, in the same way that sort of Jesus modeled it, where you're going to speak directly to the nip and the nerve pain as if God had given me authority in the same way he sent out those disciples saying, I give you authority, go heal the sick. Okay, I've been given authority to heal the sick. As a disciple of Jesus, I have that command from Jesus who has all authority The active prayer would be by the authority of Jesus or in the name of Jesus because give me authority, hip and nerve pain, go away. Amen. Right? Active engagement. And so that looks like, so the Father is empowering me as a vessel to place hands upon Liz and to invite that power to meet her need. How's your... You feel any difference? Not yet? So we're going to be inviting that. And again, there's, there's not a formula. And, and, and today, we're not talking about um, techniques or methods. We're going to talk about power because the technique is really simple. Let me teach you the technique of praying for the sick. So here's the technique. Find someone who's sick and then speak with authority in the name of Jesus it's back pain, back pain, go away. Okay, find someone who's sick. What is it? Oh, it's knee pain? In the name of Jesus, knee pain, go away. That's a technique, right? That's a method. I'll teach you that right now. Let's just, just, just do it right now, right? So turn to the closest person to you. Slide to the closest person to you. If you have any issue... 
physically in your body, allow them to do it if you don't make something up for the sake of them practicing. But if you have any physical issue, tell it to them. Don't go into full detail. We don't just, just list it. And then a technique would be something of, in the name of Jesus. Whatever that thing was, name it and say, go away. Be healed. Place a hand upon them or upon that part if you can appropriately touch it without being weird. Now, reciprocate. Do it, to the next, do it to the person next to you. Find out. If not, make something up for the sake of them practicing a technique. And in the name of Jesus, whatever the ailment is, go away. Amen? Now, it's not so much method, but it's about power. And, what, and we're going to talk about power today, not these methods. The reality is that God wants to give power, and as disciples of Jesus, many of you wield, wield power. Does any, did anyone, even as you just were prayed for in the simplest prayer, anyone feel anything? Maybe have a sense of like, oh gosh, I was having some pain, and, I, and if I had to say, I have less. Anybody? Norm? Anybody else? I know it's going to be weird, right? I was, my, my father was, two weeks ago, was like saying, oh, I, I was asking him to take care of my son. And he was like, oh man, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit dizzy today from, um, from vertigo. He, he had that a number of years back. Um, and I was like, oh man, if I need to take care of my son, I better take care of this. No, I was, but I was like, oh, I should pray for you, right? I don't always think that, but I placed a hand upon him, said the simplest prayer, boom. And, and then I walk away, I didn't even ask. And then a day later, he was like, oh, that, boom, I felt steady from that moment. Right? And half time, I'm surprised, but yet there is this, a God who longs to move. And over the course of that, we're going to be encouraging Estrella to engage directly. See, we have a father who, who loves us. See, the issue is when we're talking about engaging in this, it's not about having to motivate God. We're not having to convince God to be good. We're not having to convince God that somebody deserves this, right? It's not about earning it. It's not about the good, best prayer. It's not about the formula. It's not about the method. It's about a God who loves I mean, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, your father knows what you need before you ask. But he is inviting us to ask. And then he says this. If you then, though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now it's the spirit of power. He'll give this. And he promised that when you receive power, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in Acts 1. God is already eager to give. And he's eager to give his spirit to us so that we might have more power to do the work of ministry. And that we believe that's the spirit of Christmas. We don't have to convince God to do things for us. And so the question is not whether God is willing to grant supernatural power, but it's what we can do to grow in that power. And so that's what I want to talk about today. The method is not as important as power. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is in Luke 4. Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. He should have it all, right? But then it says the Spirit leads him into the wilderness for 40 days. And then out of the wilderness, it says what? He was filled with power. Something interesting there for us. So what do we do here? So I want to go through, um, this is going to be kind of cheesy, could be, 
but I think there's no sort of um, correct way, or not an absolute way, but there are scriptural references to this idea of power. And that question is, okay, if we're going to step in this direct engagement into the battles of this world over sickness and over um, deliverance kinds of things that's truly needed, and then in the words of prophecy where people need clear direction and words of encouragement, then we get to know about how, okay, if God has given us this Holy Spirit, how do we move in power in this? And the scriptures are filled with references about this. Jordan Singh says there, he calls that a power equation, and about, okay, so then how does this add up? And so I want to talk about four variables of things that we can just even listen into today. We can lean into today about saying, huh, if we were going to step into it, here are some things that are helpful about creating space, saying no, and leveraging this season to expect miracles. And so this is the power equation. Uh, it's authority plus gifting plus faith plus consecration is power. It's not one thing. It's not only faith, and it's not, you know, there's gifting as a part of it, and there's authority, and there's consecration. All these things add up in this way, and there's things that we can step into to engage this, and this is what I want to invite us into today as we begin this journey to engage, and so right now, I want to talk about authority. Authority is this. Authority is our right to wield the power of the Lord, it's your right to do so. And the right isn't so much like entitlement, but it's more like a privilege. Your right to wield the power of God. In the same way, if there was an army private, anybody in the military, you know rankings, I don't, but I assume a private has no authority. They have no command authority in order to be able to tell people what to do. But if they go to the general and the general writes them a letter and puts his name upon them, giving them authority to do something that would direct commands, then they would be able to wield that authority for whatever that command was on that sheet of paper, right? That the, that the general had signed and moved into, into power. They were given that authority to step in. In the same way, we are given authority. This right to wield the power of the Lord. In Matthew 10:1, Jesus called his disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, and to heal every disease and sickness. They had authority to do so. When Jesus in the Great Commission, he says, all authority on heaven and earth is mine. Go make disciples. Go teach them to do what I have taught you to do. Teach them to deserve everything that I've taught you to do. What did he teach them to do? To go and to cast out demons and heal the sick. That's clear. We have authority. Our, but in reality, our authority is in the same way as this private who's given authority from a general. Our authority is determined by our obedience to our leader. If you're given authority by a leader and um, you don't use it or you misuse it, do you think you're going to receive more authority or less? Less, right? And so authority is, but if you're given authority and you step to it in obedience, will you be trusted with more or less? More. And so it's a question of obedience. We can speak in the authority of Jesus' name when we're working in obedience to him. And our authority is determined by our obedience to our leader Jesus. So when it comes to authority in your life, how is your obedience to Jesus? That when Jesus directs you, do you do it? So much of our discipleship here is about hearing and doing. That's one of our values. And so that's what Jesus says, say, hey, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? And so in it says, okay, so what is God inviting you into, and are you hearing, and are you doing it? And that's where authority comes from. If you want more authority, seek opportunities for obedience. If you want more authority, maybe you can ask God, God, where was the last time that you spoke to me and I didn't do it? You invited me to do something and I ignored it. We can seek out obedience 
and say, all right, Lord. Because God's a God who always will, will want to reinvite us. So he says, oh, Lord, forgive me and speak. Where do you want me to wield your authority? In whatever way, whatever you ask, I'll do it. No matter how silly or small, I'll do it. No matter if it's just a whisper in my head, if it's turn the car around, I'll do it. In John 15, 7, it says, if you remain in me, this was Jesus' words, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Because it's about authority. This is one who's remaining in God's love, obeying what Jesus is saying, and it leads to authority. I tell you what, when we're not listening to the Father, when we're not obeying what he's saying to us, when we were stuck ourselves in pathetic, silly, um, not life-giving patterns, just out of either laziness or just being whatever it might be, we will struggle to step in authority, right? And so we can pause, see so you want more authority, seek opportunities to obey. So temptation, which every one of us faces, Jesus faced, every temptation is an opportunity to choose obedience and to grow in authority. We can grow in obedience, even starting today. Oh, Lord, in the spots of our temptation, we know there's an opportunity to hear you and say yes to you and for you to strengthen us and help us in those things that we could hear your authority and say yes. So, Lord, to my friends who are sitting here, so if there was something, God, that you've asked them to do and they haven't done it, by your spirit's good whisper, would you whisper it to them? And Father, if there's something that you just want them to do, they're saying, Lord, invite me to an act of obedience. Would you, would you bring a person, a place, an action to their mind that they could step in it and say yes? And so if something popped into your head, write it down, act on it. But authority is one of the steps that moves us into this equation for power. So look for chances to obey God. And this applies to the familiar. I know that um, Harvey, who's just, you know, one of the beautiful examples of Jesus, one of his, he lives by do love. I mean, do you know that one of the, command, the general commands of the scriptures is to love each other, to give to the poor. These are general commands. So you want to obey what the God's command, so all right, go, go do some love. Go care for the poor. That's an, always something that we can obey and step into. There's general uh, commands of the scriptures and there's more specific personal ones. And so look for those chances. But here's, here's a caution, here's something to make sure that we're not hearing in this. It's worth mentioning that while disobedience decreases our supernatural power for ministry, it doesn't decrease God's love for us. That never decreases. Does it create hindrances and blockage within us? Yeah. But it never decreases the love of God. And so it's wrong for us to think that obedience makes God love us. And then that in turn makes him give us power. He already loves you. And he longs to use you. But the power of authority is being saying we're going to use what he's given us for his purposes. So we don't obey and minister in order to get God to love us. We do it because he loves us. That's how authority works. Number two, it's gifting. I don't need to spend a whole lot of time here because we just talked about gifting. But God gives supernaturally. He gives the gifts of prophecy, words of wisdom, healing, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, helps, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, arts, craftsmanship, and others. And, and this isn't to be exhaustive as, as a menu, but God gives gifts. But to recognize that the gifts are plentiful, specific, and very purposeful. He gives gifts, and if we took the GPS, it was just to kind of help us to see and maybe to filter where are these living out in us? Which are the gifts that we could use purposefully? So where you have a spiritual gift, you will experience more power than where you don't. 
But one doesn't need a gift specifically to move in power of healing or prophecy or the things they're going to be talking about. But it does help. So if we don't have a certain gift, how can we get it? If it's about gifting. One, you can ask for it. Paul talks about this. He says you can ask for it, and you should, especially the gift of prophecy, he said in Corinthians 14, or the, they call them sort of the higher gifts. It says this. This is Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And he, says, he tells us why. Because this gift is good for strengthening others, encouragement, and comfort. So pursue the gifts that are most useful in caring for people at hand. So you can ask for it. Oh, God, give me the gift. So ask now. Lord, give us the gift. Give us the gift of prophecy. Give us the gifts of being able to care for people at hand. So you can do that. The second way to get a gift is to borrow it. And you say, how do we borrow a gift? Well, the scriptures talk about when it comes to gifting, it says that God gifted us all differently so that together we could be unified and grow up into the maturity of Christ. That we were a body. And so that he pulled us together so that others would go with us and so that we could do stuff in teamwork. That's the picture of scripture. So if you don't have a gift, take someone who does. So let's just do another little experiment here. We did the gift testing and so, if you have this gift, or if you think you do, I want you to stand up. Who here has the gift of prophecy? When you took the test, so you kind of know it, don't be afraid. I'm not going to make you do anything today. Um, when you were um, taking the gift, who had the like, words of wisdom, or words of knowledge, or discernment that came? Just keep standing. Then he might take the test and take up the words of discernment, wisdom, and knowledge. Okay, did anyone have like intercession that was a part of it that was listed in your GPS? Please keep standing. Um, how about of helps, of mercy? Encouragement. Giving, leadership, teaching, craftsmanship. Okay, so look around. All right, we can take people with us. You can grab them, bring them with you into it. And for those who have the certain gifts within it, and this is what we're saying, oh, who could come? Who can come? All of us are gifted. If you haven't finished the, the GPS staff, you can be seated. Finish it, right? Begin to experiment with where that is. Begin to, to use it. There's gifting. You can borrow people and you can bring them with you. Now again, we, should, we shouldn't ever refuse to do a needed ministry just because we're not gifted at it. Just another caution. Right? So that's, that's gifting. That's how that plays in, that we can begin to use the gifts. For me, it was, uh, I had hospitality and words of knowledge or knowledge of the scripture. And it's like, okay, step in that. Use that actively. The third one is faith. Now, when it comes to faith and this idea of power, I mean, faith is mentioned all over the scriptures. In the miraculous, it's mentioned 27 times that the, in, it was in reference to Either that faith was present. Jesus himself nine times says to the recipient as a part of a healing, your faith made you well. This is, this is pretty crucial. When the disciples failed in trying to, in a, in a healing of a boy that was oppressed, Jesus corrects them for having little faith. But I, I want us to maybe even shift the way we're thinking about faith in this. It's not so much faith that a given miracle is going to happen. It's not so faith that the miracle can happen, but what if it is to have faith about why it's going to happen? Because it's faith it's, it's in, not faith in miracles, but it's faith in why it's going to happen. Mark 1 is this beautiful generational text that I believe that continues to speak out for all of us who are in the need of faith. And there was a leper crying out to Jesus. And he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can cleanse me. 
And Jesus is filled with compassion when he sees them and says, I'm willing. Right? This is why this is so generational. Can you hear the heart of Jesus when it comes to we're having faith in what? We're having faith in a willing, generous, good God. That's what we have faith in. Trusting in the overwhelming love of God. In Matthew chapter 9, it's the text of talking about a good father giving good gifts, right? And we have a God who's, who is willing and able to give good gifts. Miracle-working faith believes that God is genuinely eager for the goodness of miracles. That's what we're believing in. A God who's eager, who gives good gifts to those who are needed. How many of us, if we were sitting, like we were at Thanksgiving, and, and I was, if you're sitting at Thanksgiving with someone in need of physical healing, deliverance, or encouragement, how much do you think God wants to give it to them? He does. He's willing. He's willing. There's this interesting text, in because I, 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 we can struggle in this, but there's this interesting text in Matthew 15 where there's this Canaanite woman, and, um, and so she wasn't a part of Israel, and she comes to Jesus. Her daughter is sick, and she goes, Jesus, would you heal my daughter? And Jesus says, no, um, the Father has sent me to the house of Israel first. That's what he's kind of saying. It's, and he's kind of saying, it's God's will. God has willed me and authority to go to the house of Israel first. But how interesting, in Matthew 15, she responds. She responds very interesting. So in this text, she says, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. She resiliently replies, and a paraphrase would, would be this, surely you could spare a little bit of ministry. And Jesus loves it, right? He's moved by it and immediately steps in. He couldn't resist. Woman, you have great faith, great trust in the generosity of God. Even when Jesus is saying, oh, I've got, the Father's led me this way, she says, oh, could you not despair just a little? The crumbs that fall from your table. And he was like, oh, absolutely. Immediately heals the daughter. This is the willingness of God. Jesus gets excited when people have a stubborn expectation for God's generosity do you a stubborn expectation for God's generosity so what can we do to get more faith well anything that helps us to trust that God is generous increases our miracle working faith and as believers, we should have an entire lifestyle built around taking risks on God's generosity because that's the best way to grow in trust. We want to take risks so much that over this series, on our testimony time, I want you guys to share the risks that you took. I felt like God was saying this, and I took a swing. We want to celebrate the biggest whiffs, the biggest swings and misses, and we're going to reward you. Right? And there's going to be some times we take a swing and, boy, it hits and there's power and we're, we're moving. We're trying to step into this. But that's, that's trust in the generosity of God and the goodness of God. Does it always, is it like foolproof? No. I don't understand why I've prayed deeply and out of great love for people and over a great time and didn't experience the miraculous. But yet we're invited into it. We're sent as disciples into this. So let's take risks. So how do you cultivate more faith? But here's the truth of the matter. Faith is dynamic. It can fluctuate. It can increase and it can decrease. We can stoke it and we can provoke faith through storytelling. I was, um, I was at Thanksgiving and I was with family and friends and around, and I was standing with someone sharing their story about mold stuff and, and having uh, issues with these uh, certain mycotoxins and stuff and affecting their health. 
And I heard the whisper of God pray for him. And you know what I did? I said, no, I didn't do it. Do you know why I didn't do it? Because my faith shriveled. Do you know why my faith shriveled? Because 20 minutes before this, I hear this whisper of God. He was asking how Carmel was doing, and he was saying, oh, I hear she's doing really good. And I'm like, no, man, she's not, she's not doing good. I mean, she's not on death's door, but she's not doing good. And for 20 minutes, I go into how she's not doing good for the last year. What do you think that did to my faith? Right? And so when the Lord whispers to me, pray for him. I didn't. That's how our faith can shrink, right? Now, it can grow. And we can say, Lord, I missed it. I missed an invitation for you being generous. Because in me, going over this story, I somehow had it caught in my head, you're not generous, right? And it's not true. Is it true that my wife has been sick for the last year? Hell yes, right? Yes, but is God generous? Absolutely. Does he love her? Absolutely. Is there good for her? Absolutely. Does Jesus want to move in her life? Absolutely. Does he want her to be able to go outside and breathe without having to wear a mask or take oxygen? Yeah. I, I believe he wants good for her. And at times I'm asking. And at other times my faith is shriveled. And at other times, faith is collective. Meaning we bring in the faith of a whole. And we begin to cry out on the whole. So my, I, I see that, and when I didn't pray in that, I'm reflecting on that as saying, oh, I see how my faith just shrunk up. <laughs> I see how it just got so small that even when I heard the whisper of God, pray for him. That I, I was too weak in that moment and I said no. Now he lives in Chicago. I guess I could drive there this week. Should I? <laughs> we'll see. Lord, faith. Faith is collective. So we can maximize the faith of our environment. At times, Jesus clears the environment of people when their faith is kind of low, right? Jesus said he was going to heal the dead girl, and he comes in, and he says, yeah, we brought the healer, and like, the girl's dead, and they're all mourning, um, and he says, she's not mourning, she's sleeping, I'm going to wake her up, and they mock him, and what does he do? He clears the room, and he brings in his disciples with him, and they pray. Faith is collective. We can stoke each other's pray, faith by telling stories, telling stories of these swings and hits these stories of God's great generosity, and we can come around each other with faith. When you can see it in people saying, I got faith, I'll come pray for your wife. I'll gather people and come in. I have friends who said, hey, I wanna, I'm gonna continue to pray. The elders been praying for her. It's like, hey, come lay hands upon her. I have a friend that I've been meaning to give them a key to our house so they can go in there and lay hands on any time they want to go pray for her, right? To stoke the faith collectively of our community. It grows. And your faith encourages me and says, oh, God is generous. He is good. My circumstances, yes, approve of hardship, but do not disprove the generosity of God. The final one is consecration. And consecration refers to the way that we dedicate ourselves to the things of God through specific sacrificial acts. And when Nate was talking about making space for God, doing less but giving more of ourselves to God, he was talking about consecration giving ourselves to God. A specific, specific um, sacrificial acts. The more of ourselves that we set apart exclusively for God's use, the larger our capacity to flow in God's supernatural power. But how does a person go about consecrating himself or herself to the things of God? So typically it involves of, in, in some way or another, of giving up normal, acceptable ties to the things of the world in order to make space for, for God, for higher spiritual things. And Jesus did this when he stepped into the desert for 40 days of fasting. In the church, they did this. In the early disciples, after Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit, they went into the upper room for 10 days. They were in prayer and worship. When Paul and them were preparing for the work that God called them to, 
It says they were commissioned and they were in a time of prayer. They were commissioned with the missionary work during a season of worship and fasting. In Antioch Church, they sent them off after they had fasted and prayed. These are consecrating kinds of things. Prayer is a form of consecration in which we could turn our hearts to God, exclusively to God and His purposes. Praise and worship is this of consecrating ourselves to God. And fasting is one of those exercises involves forsaking what is earthly in pursuit of heavenly purpose. We can fast from food. We can fast from sleep. Jesus did it a number of times. We stayed up all night praying to the Father not, uh, and not sleeping when he chose his disciples before he gave his life. It was in preparation. These are ways that we can consecrate ourselves. This is one of the church's deepest traditions. Here's a caution for this one. Um, if you pursue such sacrifices for the sake of, of worthiness, in order to be considered worthy of God, you've misunderstood God's grace. You're already worthy. We would sacrifice these things of making space for God to be with Him in greater intimacy, to experience His life. But if you pursue them for consecration, being set apart for God's purposes, meaning, I'm yours, God. You have my time. You have my heart. You have my hunger, you have my sleep, you have my desires, you have my worship. To prepare ourselves for power and the things of God, then you've understood something about partnering with God for kingdom work. So the power equation is authority, gifting, faith, and consecration. So which one grabs your attention? Which one is sticking out? Is it the authority and obedience? about being able to step in and say, God, whatever you ask of me, I'll do it? Is it with gifting, about knowing how you've been gifted and saying yes and using it, leveraging it in a very active way to step in and voice those things that God has awakened in you? Is it faith, to stoke the things of faith, to believe in the generosity of God and to come around those with this act of faith and say, oh, I believe in God's good generosity. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for people. God, to pour out his power. I'm going to do so. I'm going to engage in that. Or it's in consecration where you'd set yourself apart for the purpose of God. I want to stretch us over this season. Man, are there holes that we can fall in? Are there pits and there traps? Are there, is there pain in this? Yes. Does it mean that we're going to pray and, and, and everything we pray for is going to be done? No. Many of you have done so and have seen death and loss and heartache I have as well, and I have no answers. But yet we have this invitation into the things of God using the gifts that he's given us to participate in the kingdom work now where there is need for healing, deliverance, and words of encouragement through prophecy. May we step in. I want to release you to go and do, and over the next three weeks, we're going to get real specific and we're going to practice these. Next week, we're going to talk about healing. And so, bring everybody sick. Right, you got somebody sick who doesn't go to church, bring them. We're going to pray. Uh, and when I say we are, I mean, y'all are, right? We're going to do it. And then we're going to pray for deliverance on the next week. Merry Christmas. But I tell you what, man, deliverance... You must be set free. Somebody's stuck in depression or depression, anxiety, or addiction. They haven't got to point it out, but we're going to pray for people. And then we're going to do prophecy. We're going to speak words of life. We're going to let you stretch. We're going to let you swing the bat, and you may miss. But we're going to step into the things of God. Why? Because God is generous and loves people. And he's inviting us to participate in the things that he's doing. Are you willing to say yes? Are you a little scared? I am. So take some swings this week as God directs you. So let's just, let's pray. So Father, Holy Spirit, come. And if at any time you've been grabbing anyone's attention, and God, I know that the doubts and the what-ifs and the how-comes are everywhere. And so, God, we're not afraid of those, but you need to speak into those, God. Those have to have you to speak in them, because I can't. 
So Lord, in those spots where we're either saying this isn't for me, I'm disqualified, or how come this? Lord, speak in your mercy and your kindness and your goodness to get us unstuck so we could step into the spirit of your season the miraculous happening all around us. That us normal people who have never felt powerful could be used to view of agents of your power and love to people in need. So Jesus, would you whisper the authority that you're giving us and maybe say yes to do whatever you've asked us. Lord Jesus, give us the gifts that could be used for people. Let us use those. So Holy Spirit, breathe upon your gifting, upon your people, for your purposes in their neighborhood, at their workplace. You have put them there, and there are people with needs around them. Lord, would you release them with courage and power to use them. Lord, for faith, forever faith has been shriveled up about you not being generous. Oh, Father, would you whisper how near you are and how much you love these brothers and sisters? Do deep work, God, and let them know how generous and good you are. For those who have walked hard, hard roads where their story is at war with your generosity, Oh, Lord, speak. And Lord, for consecrating, may we set apart ourselves for you. These people are yours, Lord, for your purposes, your ministers. Set them apart. These are your hands and feet and mouths and bodies and minds, your gifts, their resources, their time. May, may themselves, God, maybe time be put forward to you where they could prepare for what you're inviting them to. Would you give them space, Lord, to say no to things, but to waste time with you? May that be, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We send you out in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as agents of Jesus Christ, bringing healing, redemption, reconciliation, and a message of hope by the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you didn't grab an Advent calendar out in the lobby for families, non-families, they're at the garden table. They have them for you as a gift with a calendar on that and reading plans. Advent started today. Um, may, may you go in that and be prepared next week. Come with us, you know, take a chance. Listen to the Spirit of the Father and, and act on it. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next Saturday as we talk about engaging in healing.